You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. You know, it's interesting, but if I could give an example, I might do it like this. I can't, and I'm not. Don't worry. I've done some pretty crazy things, but I'm not going to do any. I'm not going to do this one live. But what if I could bring a dead man on the platform? Any volunteers? Okay, just kidding. And. Uh, but if I could bring a dead man on the platform and say, hey, we're going to raise this man to life. Be interesting. How would we do it? Well, if you were to ask a psychologist or a sociologist or someone from a university, they might say, hey, you do it with the four E's. You do it with the uh, example, uh, be a good example. You do it by um, giving them encouragement, by uh, giving them the right environment. You do it by giving them education. And again... I'm not saying those things are wrong. There's nothing wrong with those things, but that's not going to bring a dead man to life. For instance, if we were to put a dead man on this platform and say, let's just be a good example, everybody, and, 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 and it'll work. If we could just, all of us in this building, just be the kind of example we need to be, and this dead man will come back to life. Or maybe let's do this. Let's, let's all uh, encourage him. I mean, everybody, one at a time. You can do it. I know you can. You can do it. boy. Come on. Get up. I know you can. I love encouragement. I'm a big encourager. But encouragement doesn't bring a dead man to life. Or maybe an environment. Let's just all give him an environment of people that are alive. And if we put a dead man in a room with a lot of people that are alive, then he'll come back to life. But environment doesn't change things. For instance, Adam and Eve lived in the perfect environment. But that wasn't what brings a dead man to life. Or maybe education. Let's give him 20 lessons on life. We could try all those things, but salvation does not come by learning lessons from the life of Christ. Salvation comes by receiving life from the death of Christ. And that's what we're singing about this morning. He died that we might live. Death to death and what? Life for me. When Jesus died, he conquered death so that we might have life. So how did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? It wasn't Example or encouragement or environment or education, it was by his word. Look at verse 43. It's awesome. The Bible says in verse 43 of our, of our text, chapter 11, when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And it was the words of Jesus that raised Lazarus from the dead. The words. I love John 6, 63. Where the Bible says it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words. The words that I have spoken to you. They're spirit. And they are life. I love Philippians chapter 2 and verse 16. Where it says we hold fast to the word of life. The words of life. By the word of God. It's powerful. It's quick. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And when we speak the words of life. The old hymn, sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. These wonderful words of life are the words that bring people from death to life. So if you have experienced life in Christ, if you've been born again, that's the first thing you have to do to be able to live an abundant life. But then there's something else. If you have come from death to life, if you do know what it's like to be alive in Christ, and secondly, you must exercise liberty through Jesus. Look at Lazarus after he was raised from dead to life. Look at him in verse 44 of our text. It says, the man who had died came out, 
So he is alive. We, we know that. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face unwrapped, or rather wrapped with a cloth. So here's a, here's a man that's come alive, but he is bound with his grave clothes. Can you picture this scene? Look, we saw some pretty amazing things on Broadway. These guys know what they're doing. It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. They, they, they did a lot of stunts. But Hollywood's got nothing on Jesus. Let me tell you something. Can you imagine being there that day? I can't wait to go to Israel in January. It's going to be so cool to walk these places. Can you imagine if you would have been right there at that tomb? Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. I don't know about you, but I'm about, like, dude, you're crazy, man. Are you serious? And about a minute later, let's say, all of a sudden, here comes into this opening of this tomb a man who had died. And he came forth, and it was Lazarus. Can you imagine the buzz around that place? But notice in our passage, he had life, but he did not have liberty. The Bible says he was bound. He had these old grave clothes. He had things over his eyes. His arms were restricted. He could barely walk. He had life, but he did not have liberty until Jesus said, Loose him and let him go. And that's what Jesus says to all of us here this morning. I know too many Christians who are bound in their old grave clothes. They are saved, but they're, they're not living in victory. They have life, but they don't have liberty. And to be honest with you, that was me and sometimes still is me. But Jesus did not come to give you life. He came to give you not just life, but abundant life. Can I get an amen? And then scripture says in John 8, 32, might as well give you another verse. Know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the more truth you know, the more free you get. That's what's so important to be in God's word. Too many of us are still wearing the grave clothes of the old life. And yet we have truly been saved. We've truly been saved. We've received life. We've experienced life. But we're living our old lives. The old lust. And the old learning. And the old loves. And the old lies. And Jesus says, dude, you need to be set free. Loose him and let him go. And that's what the ministry of the church is all about. That's what we do here. We preach the gospel. We call forth the dead to come to life. And then we unwrap the saints so they can have liberty. I want to just say this morning for a moment that I thank God for those who are helping to unwrap me. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I used to be wrapped up in legalism. I was so bound and I was so afraid of man. I, was, I had no liberty. I, I was wrapped up in Phariseeism and I was wrapped up in, a, in an attitude. And I, I just, I couldn't see any good in anybody else other than my, just us four and no more. And, and somebody finally got in my face and said, dude, you need to be set free. Can I, you got a minute? Can I talk to you? And I started listening. I listened to a few people. I mean, it was fun. I actually listened to preachers I'd never heard before. I, shout out to Adrian Rogers. Shout out to Jim Cimbala. Amen little shout out shout out to a few guys outside my little world and i got to listening and i got to hearing jesus say lose him and let him go and what you're looking at here this morning is not a freak show it's just a free man i'm not free to sin no i'm free to live for jesus and i have found that living for jesus is way more than a little box 
being bound with religion and with rules, but there is a, a Christ that sets us free. It changes everything. We need to be set free by experiencing life in Christ and liberty through Christ. And thirdly, we must enjoy love for Jesus. This is my favorite one. I love this one. Look at John 12 on the screen. You could turn one page, but I know you don't like to turn pages, so I just thought I'd put it on the screen for you. John 12, 1, 2. This is so cool. Now, this is Lazarus, right? Pay attention. Lazarus, like, let's just say it's the next day, okay? Six days before the Passover, Jesus, therefore, came to Bethany, where, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was there at the table with Jesus, just kind of reclining, slouching back in his chair. What's up, Jesus? Love you, man. You awesome, dude. You put on a show the other day, man. Oh, man, I can't believe it. Hey, this bump. You say, you think he was talking to Jesus? Yeah, I do. You're going to be reclining at the table with somebody you don't love? Think about it. I mean, you put somebody famous at the table in your life and you're like, oh, oh how's my makeup? How's it look? You know, hey, is everything right? I, I wish you would have had more time to get ready. I mean, this is really... Oh, Lazarus, he's just loving on Jesus because Jesus has been loving on him. And you know what? You get real comfortable with people that love on you. Amen? It's the truth. Now, forgive me for saying this, but I am a little touchy-feely in a good way. I'm Italian. I, I mean, touchy-feely, not like literally, not in a spooky, weird way. I'm just a loving guy. I just, I can blame it on my Italian heritage. I could. I mean, I remember when my pastor, years ago, I was 15 years old, and my dad was in the furniture business. And my pastor found out about it when I was a teenager, and he said, hey, do you think your dad could sell me a bunch of furniture at cost? And I said, yeah, I know he can. I called my dad. My dad said, yeah, take your pastor down here to New Orleans. We'll get him some furniture. So he rented a big U-Haul truck. My dad got all kinds of furniture ready to load up on the U-Haul truck so my pastor could go. But he told me, he was one of those guys, a little bit legalistic, a little bit, you know, a little standoffish. And I was telling him that my stepmom and dad are probably going to kiss him on the cheek when he gets to their house. And he freaked out on me. He said, I ain't going to kiss me. I'm like, no, they're going to kiss you. They, that's what they do. It's not like weird. It's just that's, it's kind of like just culture. He said, no, 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 I, you know, you know, Preachers are pharisaical when they change their voice on you. Get nervous when a guy goes from this to, huh, how you doing, brother? God bless you. Ha, 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 ha. At that point, you know the boys are fake, okay? So my, my pastor was a good man, but he put that preacher voice on. Huh, bro, no, brother. I, I know how to do this. People come down the aisle. They're all emotional. They want to hug the pastor. You just stiff arm them. You just get a stiff arm. Hello, God, ma'am. Say that, ma'am. God bless you. I'll pray with you from here. You know, He's teaching me how to stiff arm people for Jesus, you know. And I'm thinking, man, lose him and let him go. This man needs a kiss, you know. So we get to the house. My dad lives in a decent neighborhood in New Orleans, you know, and he's still alive. He's 77 years old. He'll be here in, in, uh, next month for my daughter's graduation. You'll love him. He's a great man. And so he shows up, and I, and I, and I could tell my pastor must have forgotten about the conversation we had about 500 miles ago. Because he's like looking around at the day. Your dad lives in a nice, and he's got his back to the door. And I'm thinking the whole time, dude, he better turn around. It's going to happen quick. 
So I knock on the door, and it was perfect timing. Just as my pastor turned around, the door opens. My stepmother grabs both cheeks. Mwah, mwah, good to see you. He freaked out. He goes, oh, oh, oh. And I just said, I told you, man, I told you. It, it happens quick. How did it feel? Was it okay? You know, I'm just like, poor guy, you know. But, you know, I kind of feel like a lot of Christians just have not experienced the love of Christ on a level where they're comfortable with. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He's given you life, liberty, and love. And he wants you to pull up to the table and look, hey, kick your shoes off. That's why we don't have to dress up to come to church. You can. You can dress up. You can do, you can go all out. Or you can just come with shorts and sandals, whatever you feel comfortable with. I'm probably not a short and sandal guy. I would look funny. You know, my legs are super white. It's just not cool. But the truth of the matter is, is it doesn't matter. We're not here to impress one another. We're here just to love on one another because Jesus loves us so much. So we're not putting this emphasis on the outward and on behavior being perfect and, 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 and the cup of tea and everything being... No, no, no. Just, hey, recline back at the table. We're here together. We're God's people. We've been saved. We've been loved by Jesus. No more grave clothes. Face to face with Jesus. Pull up to the table. One of my favorite verses is Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 where it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hears my voice, experiences life in Christ, I'll open the door. I'll come into him and I will eat. The old King James says, sup. Have supper with him and he with me. You know, you'd be surprised at how often Jesus had supper with people. It's, it's an old hymn. Trust me, we'll never sing it again. It's called Come and Dine. Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. It's okay, you know. But the truth is, it, it, it's, it's, got a good, it's got a good message. And the message is this. It's simply this. Come and dine. Hey, come to the table. You know what we do, church? We need to come every Sunday morning and come to the table. Come to the table of love. Shake hands. Get here early. Hey, every now and then, nothing wrong with telling somebody you love them in church. Can I get an amen? Why, is it, why should it be strange that in church with God's people, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we should think it's kind of weird to say, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. I'm praying for you. That ought to be normal. There's nothing wrong with that. This is because of the love that Jesus has for us. And so often, Jesus is inviting people to come to the table. Next, and I'm done. Finally, I must express loyalty to Jesus. After we experience life and liberty and love, then loyalty comes out of nowhere. It's crazy. We become courageous. We become not ashamed of the gospel. Somebody this right now, it's been a long time since we've really walked up to anybody and shared Jesus. I freak my family out a lot. We're in New York City. I can't tell you how many times they said, Dad, honey, what are you doing? These are total strangers. I'm like, that's cool. They love us. I'm telling waiters I love them. I'm, God bless you to people. They're, they're, and none of them responded bad. They're all, they look at you first a little funny, but they're like, something different about that dude. I'm going to be me, man. I'm going to be who I am. I'm a Christian. I'm going to share the love of Christ. I'm going to tell people I love them. I'm not going to hide my faith. I'm not going to be a weirdo and hold up, you know, Turner Bird on the street corner. I mean, that, that to me is just hate. But you know what? I, I, I'm going to let people know I love them. I'm going to let people know Jesus loves them. I might even ask a waitress, hey, what can I pray with you about? That's kind of weird. Isn't that kind of forward? I don't think so. 
In fact, I've really never had a waitress not give me a prayer request. I guess when it happens for the first time, I'll consider your thoughts. But so far, everybody's just kind of... In fact, a lot of times when you ask that question, they start crying. So does that make you nervous? Not one bit. They need Jesus. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and salvation everyone to believe it. Amen. And by the way, I like that to everyone that believeth part. It's good. And so I must express loyalty to Jesus. Look at John 12. And I'm, I don't have all these on the screen. But did you get 9, 10, and 11? Did he put all three on there? Oh, yeah, he did. Oh, he's so awesome. Good. Okay. I messed up on the first service. Listen to this. This is so cool. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came. Not only on account of him, Jesus. Got it? Large crowds, they came. Not just because of Jesus, but on account of him, uh, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death. Do y'all think Lazarus was afraid to die at this point? (laughs) Dude, when you've been raised to life one time, you're like the bravest person on planet earth. So they're putting plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Here's why. You ready? Here's why. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. How cool is that? So here's what's happening. Lazarus now is so brave, he's out there preaching the gospel and many people are coming to trust Christ. He's... He is so loyal to Christ that now everywhere he goes, he's sharing the gospel. You know what my concern is for the church? Where, where's those people? Where are we at? Where am I at? Where are we at? When's the last time we shared the life of Christ with somebody who's dead? When's the last time we brought somebody to church? One of the reasons why I love this sermon in this, in the, being the first one of, of three messages is that this kind of inspires me. In fact, we're going to close with some inspiration in just a moment as to how God can use us to stand up for Jesus. And once you've experienced life and liberty and love, you can be loyal to Christ and become dangerous to Satan's kingdom. But as long as we're just sitting in church, soaking in church, souring church, and keeping our faith to ourselves, guess what? The devil's like, are you sure you're saved? I mean, you're kind of acting like me here. I mean, hey, if you're good with not telling people about Jesus, I'm good with leaving you alone. They wanted to kill Lazarus. Just being honest, why did they want to kill him? Because he was out there telling people about Jesus. Isn't that good? You know what? We don't have anything. By the way, we live in Hot Springs, Arkansas. There's about 200 churches. <laughs> and yet the city still isn't saved. I often wonder why 200 churches can't reach a small city. Let's do our part. Let's do our part. People are getting saved here, and the Pharisees are wanting to shut him up and put him to death. But no man is ready to live until that man is no longer afraid to die. And when we have life, liberty, and love, and loyalty for Jesus, we come to know what Jesus was talking about when he said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. (sighs) I love it. Now, let's close a little different. We normally close with an invitation, a soft song. But you know what? I'm not feeling soft right now. I'm feeling more energy and excitement, especially after I heard a story yesterday. I got a phone call 
from Scott Mercer, who shares the responsibilities with me of going to the retirement center in Hot Springs, one of the retirement centers. And Scott told me a story about a lady on the screen right now, and he is with this lady in this picture, and they are smiling for a reason. So as the worship team comes forward and prepares for the invitation, we're going to close different. Scott's going to share a story. I want to make an invitation to anybody in this room who's never experienced life in Christ. I'll be around. I'll stay 30 minutes after the service. I'll stay longer if I need to. I'll stay as long as you need me to. If there's anybody in this building that doesn't know Christ as their personal Savior, you've never experienced life in Christ. So that liberty stuff and that love and that and, and, and all of that loyalty, that's kind of like, what's that all about? I, I need this life. I want to talk to you about that. I'm here. I'm in the back. I'll be available. But I want Scott to tell you a story about somebody who at almost 90 years of age found out for the first time what life in Christ is all about. Good afternoon, church. Uh, Pastor, as he said, we have the privilege of preaching at the retirement home. One of the things you have to understand about this retirement home is most of the people there were not sure if they're going to make it uh, through the sermon. Uh, uh, we had one lady yesterday's 100. Most of the people there are in their 90s or their 80s. And I preached yesterday from Acts chapter 4 in verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And I shared at the retirement home my experience over the last few months as I've shared the gospel through our community and how few people know Jesus Christ. When you talk to people around in your neighborhood and around the streets here uh, and you ask them, what does someone have to do to go to heaven? Uh, Very rarely, in my experience, do you get turn from your sin and believe the gospel. And as Pastor said, we've got 200 churches here, but so many people are, are just engulfed in their religion. And I told the retirement home we had so many different, we have so many different denominations there. I said, you don't get to heaven by being a Baptist or a Catholic or a Presbyterian or a Methodist. You get to heaven, you're saved. Salvation comes by no other than Jesus Christ when you turn from your sin and when you believe the gospel. And I prayed with the people. It got done. And Alice, Alice is, uh, she's she's in her late 80s. Alice is kind of in, she's large and in charge. She's in charge of the retirement home. And Alice, uh, she said, Pastor Scott, Pastor Scott, come here, come here. And so I came over and said, Alice, what's up? She said, come here. So we came over to the little piano there. And there's Margaret, 89 years old. She's bent over in her wheelchair and she's weeping and I, I started to grab her hand and she grabbed my hand and she said thank you, thank you, thank you I said what is it, what is it Margaret, she said no one has ever preached the gospel like that before and then she looked up at me and she said I believe, I believe I believe and I said Margaret I said you just made my day and she said she said, no, Pastor Scott. She said, you just made my life. Here's a lady. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's an 89-year-old lady who 
is at the end of her rope. She's about to pass physically from life to death. And yesterday, spiritually, she passed from death to life. Hallelujah. Amen.